Hello and welcome to episode 66 of Brews Less Travel, the podcast exploring the best uncharted craft beer scenes across the U.S. Uh, I'm Brian, I'm your host, and happy to welcome back my co-host for these Boise episodes, Isaac Bell. How's it going, Isaac? I'm living the dream, Brian. Great to be here. Sad is the last one. I know. I, I am also sad that uh, I I would say that that's your catchphrase, as I know you. You're living the dream. You're the person that I know that says that the most. And I'm very disappointed that this is, a, I think this is the first time you've said that this month. It's probably the first time that, that I have said that. How are, how are things in the DC metro area for you? Um, iconic. Uh, I was going to say we could actually scratch our guests tonight uh, and just talk about my last two hours uh, of this evening alone. Uh, we could do a full 45 minutes on, on that. Can you give me 45 seconds? Two great things. So one is I made a, uh, I made a uh, at-home elevated version of a Taco Bell Crunchwrap Supreme uh, for dinner tonight. Uh, it, it was stupendous. Like I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, and the second thing is I had to run out to Lowe's. Why is unimportant? What the important thing is, is I came back with a six foot psycho killer clown that is electronic and ready for Halloween uh, on my front porch. Oh, I can relate. I bought a bunch of Halloween candy today. Not for Halloween, just for yeah, just to eat. I took the display home. They were sold out of all their Halloween merchandise already. Um, and they weren't getting any more in. It's unbelievable. Get, hey, make room for the Christmas stuff. That's right. It's, they said it's coming in next week. Absolutely love it. How are things with you? I am. I am wonderful. I am on vacation, as I alluded to last weekend. There's a beach just outside the door there. I have. Uh, I'm in uh, South Carolina, uh, right near Myrtle Beach, and I am drinking some phenomenal beers down here. Look out for uh, the beer scene in South Carolina. I've had some excellent pilsners this week. Excellent uh poppy beers have not had many farmhouse have not had any farmhouse or saison or sour beers so interested and looking forward to going out and trying those tomorrow also have not played any rounds of putt putt golf which is like this is like the capital for primarily why you went there i mean i went here to be with my family but (laughs) it was it definitely was my bit on the show I, in my mind, you were doing nothing but playing putt-putt and drinking, drinking domestic lagers. Uh, yeah, actually, originally, this was a trip, uh, a research trip for my new show spinoff called Putts Less Traveled. <laughs> All right, well, we've got an episode of Brews Less Traveled to get to. But first, our featured things uh, on this episode were bookending our month of Boise with more beer from our friends at Lost Grove Brewing Company. We're going to be drinking their Teddy Beer, Teddy Bear Picnic, a nice golden ale, as well as their Ghost Town Porter. And uh, we're going to be chatting with a couple folks from Lost Grove as well. And as we have been apt to do recently, we're just going to jump right into things. So please join us in welcoming the marketing director at Lost Grove, Haley Robinson, and the head brewer at Lost Grove, Derek Brown. Hello. Welcome aboard. In the spirit of jumping right into things, Brian, uh, I am 100% ready for a beer. Uh, So I'm hoping we can get into this uh, Teddy Bear picnic. Uh, Consider changing the name to maybe Teddy Beer. When he said it, I was like, how have we missed this? (laughs) Absolutely. 
Um, and while we're getting into it, uh, Haley and Derek, what would you like to tell us about this beer? So we get a question about uh, the names a lot. Where do the names come from? And Teddy Bear Picnic is definitely one of our, um, it's our, one of our top selling beers. It's super delicious golden ale. And Teddy Bear Picnic is named after a children's song with a kind of peculiar little music video, definitely worth a Google, um, that the original brewer who started uh, with our founder and GM, um, they saw it and thought it was funny. So they named this beer Teddy Bear Picnic. Um, my favorite thing about the name is watching different people and their comfort levels of saying Teddy Bear Picnic. It's usually men. So it'll be like a big burly dude who comes up and they're like, what do you have this light? And we're like, well, we got a Teddy Bear Picnic. And they'll be like, oh uh, yeah one of those bear beers <laughs> do everything they can to avoid saying the full name but it's a delight it's a great beer it it is a delightful great beer wow. yeah it's just like a nice refreshing beer the fun thing about it is it, it actually doesn't have any bittering hops at all it's all late edition hopped so mm. like 20 and down that's it it's just mandarina and meridian yeah i could definitely have more than one of these yeah, yeah, four and a half percent. So yeah, you can drink quite a bit of them. Another patio pounder. I was going to say, I listened to the last episode with Sockeye and y'all were saying patio pounder. And I was thinking, if y'all haven't talked about it yet, Crispy Boy is another uh, patio pounder. We call it, if we've got a super light beer, sometimes I'm calling it a Crispy Boy. And this is, this is Crispy Boy. We're all self-proclaimed Crispy Boys. I'm sorry, Brian, go. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, this is a discussion. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Crispy Boy, but we, we do have a theme going here with our patio pounder, lawnmower, logger, and we need to get an alliteration going with, with Crispy Boy. Crispy, yeah. crispy Kid? Crispy, crispy kid. kid? Crispy Kid, Kid with a, with a C? Or Crispy with a K? Crispy with a K. Because I think yeah. that makes it sound more crispy. It's it's a harder crispy like crisp. crispy. I think that's good. Crispy crusher. Crispy crusher. <laughs> Wonderful beer. Could you give us a little bit more about your career paths and what led you to working at Lost Grove? Sure. I'll start with mine because it's less beer focused and so based on the topic of this podcast, likely less interesting to your listeners. Uh, Absolutely. I not. got a degree in. Yeah, like we're already tuning out. Um, I got a degree in journalism. I worked at Boise State uh, in the Office of Communications and Marketing for a while. Uh, worked at Idaho Conservation League doing marketing for an environmental nonprofit in Idaho. Kind of jumped around to a few different places that I loved. And I had always been a big beer fan and I really liked the culture of breweries. And I was good friends with the GM who works here at Lost Grove. Her name is Kylie Boland. The guy who is now the assistant brewer at the time was a sales guy, Tom Richards. Um, he and I are good friends since high school. And so I was just kind of hanging around being a fangirl of Lost Grove. And one day I was like, hey, I heard you guys need some marketing help. I happen to know someone who currently works in marketing and would love to work here. And her name is me. So eventually <laughs> I started hanging out here and worked here. And it is awesome. It's a great place to work. Awesome. Well, let's see my career path. Been brewing for about 10 years now, commercially and kind of bounced around a bunch of breweries here in Idaho. I was basically like to, to shorten the story. I, uh, I was trying to start my own brewery during the pandemic and all of that basically got crushed, uh, because of it. Poor timing. I, uh, ended up getting swooped up by another little brewery group here that is kind of like partners with Lost Grove and, and then shuffled over this direction when their brewery left. And so I've been here for about, oh, about a year and a half almost now. And then 
kind of working between both companies or they're kind of like the same sister companies. Awesome. Love to hear. <laughs> we've, we've heard uh, about some really cool festivals in Boise. And I would say that I'm most interested in one just because it has a cool name. And I know that you all just recently had it. For those of you listening or watching, it's uh, Goathead Fest. Can we talk a little bit about that or just the festival scene in general? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that makes Lost Grove stand out um, in the brewing crowd here in Boise is that we kind of have our fingers in everything. We are busy, busy people and we love to do events and we love to be involved in events and we have a great team who's excellent at planning events and executing them. So one of the main events that we do each year um, that we participate in, I should say, is called Goathead Fest. So we partner um, with our buddies at Boise Bicycle Project, who are our physical neighbors. If you come to, if y'all come to Boise and check it out sometime, share an alleyway with them. Boise Bicycle Project is an awesome nonprofit here in Boise who help get folks who need bicycles, bicycles. So mode of transportation, they help talk about um, ways that bicycles benefit us physically and environmentally. And they have a cool shop where you can bring your bike in and work on it. And they teach you how to fix your own bicycle. Um, So really cool nonprofit. We work with them on a bunch of stuff. So us, Boise Bicycle Project and the Morrison Center for the Performing Arts, which is kind of in our neighborhood too. Uh, Three of us are kind of the main partners at Boise Go Ahead Fest. The focus of that fest is to highlight the weird, wacky, wonderful culture of um, bicycles in Boise. Boise is a really bike-friendly city. It's a lot of bees to kind of fumble through while you're drinking beer. So it always starts at the park by the Capitol. It starts with a bicycle parade. Um, It's like multiple thousands of people. They all dress in really wacky costumes and they go on like a mile and a half parade route. And then it culminates in a festival in that park. Um, We have live music. There's freak bikes, which uh, now seems like a normal thing to me. But a freak bike is like, oh, there's like this weird tiny bike, but the front wheels gigantic or like there's this bike that's weirdly tall. How do you even get on it and ride it around? So it's like these very bizarre bicycle creations. You can ride them around the park. Um, we released a new beer at Boise Goathead Fest is our to the moon pale ale. It's super fun. It's all about bikes, music, and beer. So what else could you want? That's awesome. The origin of the festival is to pick up those little goat heads that that's right and have been known to to pop bicycle tires and when researching for this podcast i saw a picture of some of the people participating in the goat head fest and one of the people i'm pretty sure had a costume of a goat head can you mm-hmm. confirm that yes and what an important element that you've brought up that i totally should have mentioned before uh, <laughs> it's like, to me i'm like everyone knows what a goat head is because you're cursing it and your bike tires flat and you're like god damn it this little poker got me again i one time was riding my bike in boise and my tire literally exploded like you could hear it and it instantly flat because these weeds which are an invasive species they grow these sharp little thorns and they grow everywhere they love sidewalk cracks like anywhere that you want to be if you walk through a patch of goat heads it'll sound like you have cleats on afterward because they've stabbed into your shoes and like are grabbing onto you so we've talked to so many people in boise and nobody's mentioned this yet Maybe they're not cyclists. Did you ask if they were cyclists beforehand? Because if you did, they would. If I asked you what you did for fun, it's either kayaking or mountain biking. Well, then they should have brought it up because it's a problem. Yeah. 
And it's an invasive species. So then the weeks leading up to Goat Head Fest, BBP holds all these picking parties is what they call them. And then they just rip out as many goat heads as possible. They have prizes and awards for the people who pick the most goat heads. So the whole kind of like element of the festival is eradicating goat heads. So it's all for a good cause. Keep your bikes rolling. Do they grow over the winter? No, they, I mean, they. I think they go into like some sort of like dormant phase yeah. and they, they basically in the fall they when it gets wet they'll start to kind of blossom and then we get some high winds that come through Boise and it'll just blow all of those like they call them nutlets or little little that's the seed a little nutlet and so then they blow across the road with the wind and then you you hit one of those and you're you're kind of screwed you know flat tire and in fact, last year, so we do the official beer of Boise Goat Head Fest each year. So this year it was To The Moon. We released, or sorry, um, that was the one we released at. The official beer was called Pedal Powered Pilsner. Last year we were like, oh, what do we call this? And somebody mentioned that a little thorn is called a nutlet. And we thought that was funny. So we're like, oh, we'll call it Little Nutlet. <laughs> and then the beer did not sell that well. And we're like, oh, I wonder why. Again, retrospectively. <laughs> That it was, was a cream ale. That should have been an inside joke. Actually, it was a grisette. <laughs> and that was the other problem, yeah. It's a grisette. And it we're was like, kind of a weird style, Grisette, so delicious. We, it, was a, it was a really great beer. It was one of my favorite ones. It was like the French-style wheat ale. It had lime in it, and it was so crushable and delicious. Lime and And then I was like, people don't like little nutlet grisette. And I was like, nobody <laughs> knows what the fuck we're talking about right now. We got yeah. to not do that. <laughs> So this year it's pedal powered pilsner. Haley, it's like you it's like you named the the beer for this month's theme. Love the uh, love the alliteration. Yeah. Pedal powered pilsner, yeah. It's going to say your heart is full, mm-hmm. Brian. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And uh you do a lot of other cool festivals and and you choose specific festivals for certain reasons, right? And and is there another festival that's kind of near and dear to your hearts on top of the amazing Goathead Fest? Yes. Um, so we started this year Shade City Brew Fest, which um, we partnered with our buddies over at the Idaho Botanical Garden, another amazing nonprofit in Boise, um, which is super beautiful. And even if you're a Boisean who's listened to this, I know a lot of people from Boise who have not ever made the trek over there except for Winter Garden Glow. And the Botanical Gardens are amazing. It's so beautiful. To partner with them through Beer Fest, had 30 different beer vendors. And our main focus was sustainability. So that's kind of a big theme for Lost Grove in general. We understand that as a brewery, we're using a lot of water and it's kind of a joke to talk about sustainability in some elements that it's like, this is a water intensive industry. We totally understand that. So what are the other ways that we can participate and help cut on like what we're using on day-to-day basis? So as events people we're like, we can do an event and try some new stuff. So we had our first Shade City um, Brew Fest on Earth Day this year at the Botanical Gardens, two-day fest, and um, we tried different tactics. Like we had the food trucks use reusable plates, and we had a dishwashing station that was manned by volunteers, and tried to eliminate as much like you know paper, styrofoam, whatever waste in that element. We didn't order new little taster cups because we were thinking of all the breweries. Like if you go to a beer fest, you get that weird little plastic cup. What do you do with that afterward? You probably throw it away or it sits in your cupboard and you pretend like you're going to use it someday and you never do. So we decided not to do that at all. And we used those weird little cups to measure the beers. And we just told people bring a cup, 
just whatever cup you want. It could be literally anything. We'll just pour your beer into whatever cup you bring. So we eliminated the weird little festival cups. If people forgot to bring a cup, we worked with the Idaho Youth Ranch and we bought a ton of literally the most random cups you could imagine. We had like, you know, Jesus loves you coffee mugs. And we had giant plastic things. I saw someone drinking out of like a big horn and we just took the beer samples and poured it into what people wanted to eliminate cups in that way. We just tried to be as inventive as possible. We had um, screen printing service to make t-shirts on site. So we didn't have a bunch of t-shirts left over and tried as much as possible to think about ways that we could reduce or eliminate waste. So that was such a cool event. We're going to do it again next year. Like I said, we're event people. So Go Ahead Fest, Shade City Brew Fest, a whole bunch of other stuff that we got going on. But those are some of the ones that are sticking out in my brain. That's awesome. And that, that leads me right uh, into the next thing I want to talk about. Lost Grove achieved something really special this year, uh, joining the likes of the Alchemist, Allagash, and Creature Comforts by becoming a certified B Corp brewery. Can you tell more about what B Corp status means and, and what it means specifically for Lost Grove? Yeah, being a B Corp is really exciting. Um, basically getting B Corp certification is a commitment by a for-profit business to use your business as a force for good. So it's kind of like trying to align yourself with the values of a nonprofit, but as a for-profit. So really some of what that means is a focus on sustainability, which I've kind of already touched on how we approach that, like understanding, you know, where we're at in that piece of the puzzle, and then also trying to be inventive of ways that we can participate in other ways of reducing waste. And then also, you know, like um, New Belgium released a whole guide about how to become a carbon neutral brewery. So that's on our radar, trying to work toward that eventually. Um, being a B Corp also means being an ethical employer. Um, so we work really hard on trying to identify ways that we can make this a good place to work where people feel safe and people have opportunity. And then also focuses on community, which is a huge thing for us. Um, we're super involved in trying as hard as we can at all junctures to figure out ways we can give back to nonprofits. So we have a program called the Powerful Pines Program. Um, we feature a different nonprofit each month and focus on awareness and fundraising for them and giving back to the community in that way. Being a B Corp has been super exciting too, because it gives you this community of people who have the same values and are like going through the effort of doing this gigantic application that takes months to accomplish and it's all for the sake of saying, this is important to us. This is something we're going to prioritize. And then we can lean on each other to figure out ways that, you know, resources we can use, ideas of like how to be better, all these sorts of things. So it's been really exciting. That was announced in January. And we're just looking for more ways that we can continue to plug into that community and make a difference. It's so awesome. Yeah, I think that's really cool as well. Wouldn't it be great if we could just take all for-profit businesses and just be like, Hey, align yourself with the like values of nonprofits and go out and do good. And you know, they can, they could all apply. For yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. It's a choice. I think a lot of, a, a lot of nonprofits think with their, their hearts and not with their head, not all of them, but it's, it's more, you know, coming from a, a good place. And, you know, I think there's a lot of wheel spinning. Um, so when you take it to a for-profit side, I, I like that idea. Yeah. I think, yeah. um, you know, our, our founder and owner, Jake Black, his mother is um, the executive director of the Women's and Children's Alliance here in Boise. So I think he really comes from a culture of giving back to the community, of caring about nonprofits. And that's always been a center point for Lost Grove since day one, being a B Corp was on the radar. And then when the pandemic hit and there was a little bit of 
I don't know, weird extra time. Um, our general manager, Kylie Boland was like, I could use this time to work on a B Corp certification. So not a highlight, but a weird little like, oh my God, there's some free time. What will I do with this? And <laughs> that's what you just do. So kind of a cool thing. Yeah, 100%. Pretty cool thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a beer break. Most people know Idaho for its potatoes. More potatoes are grown there than anywhere else in the U.S. Heck, it's even the state vegetable. But did you know that one special place in Boise offers you the chance to stay inside a potato? The Big Idaho Potato Hotel offers guests the chance to spend the night inside everyone's favorite tuber. This six-ton potato is constructed from steel, concrete, and plaster, and sits upon a 400-acre farm about 20 minutes outside of Boise. Your stay inside this special spud comes with all the amenities of your typical luxury hotel. An electric fireplace, a fancy record player, and even a mini fridge. It's just all inside a 330 square foot potato that once traveled the country as a bit of a sideshow exhibit. If you'd like to stay the night inside this uniquely Idahoan inn, then head over to idahopotatohotel.com and book your dream potato-based retreat today. Now, let's get back to the show. So I am at the end of my glass here, and I'd love to talk about our second beer. We've got the Ghost Town Porter. Coffee hazelnut porter. Super yep. smooth, super delicious. Very good beer. Yeah, just a, it's, a, uh, it's an English brown porter base uh lots of hazelnut big on the hazelnut for sure yeah you can smell it yeah kind of a little chewy for what it is but uh good it's kind of like one of our fall staples it moves a lot faster when it cools down here also a fun spooky name yep fun spooky name we do have uh silver city here uh that's not too far from boise it's actually a weird like abandoned uh mining town uh, you got to drive some weird, you know, washed out roads to get there, but pretty cool place. I will say, I think Derek's just actually talking about a ghost town. That's not what it it's named after. That's just <laughs> it's not a ghost yeah. town that he likes. Exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> the name Ghost Town Porter. We <laughs> Our GM and uh, founder are buddies with some folks in the Elian Jewel band. And one of their, I think it's an album, oh, but it could be a song is called Ghost Town something. And this is a little bit predates me, so I'm fumbling through it, but it was made in partnership with the Alien Jewel Band. And so that's kind of another tenant of Lost Grove. We love to support local music. And so that was the impetus for the name. And also Silver City is a cool ghost town. So there are ghost towns in Idaho. Lots of them. I can confirm, at least the can can confirm, can, can confirm. It's an album. There you go. Album mm-hmm. name. There you go. I'd like to move on to the the industry at at large or at the greater scope of the industry. Haley, what are some trends in beer marketing that are exciting you? You know, it has been so interesting to go from kind of corporate world marketing into beer marketing because as a marketing current marketing team of one, there's so much to do where it's like I have to, I'm making the Facebook event. I'm putting the event on um, our website and we're doing reels on Instagram. And I'm sure that true marketing professionals are like, oh my God, you're just getting to reels. Aren't you on TikTok? And no, I'm not on TikTok yet. I can't do it. And I know it's basically the same as making an Instagram reel, but I'm not ready. 
But a lot of the a lot of the trends in beer, I'm taking the lead from Derek. And one of my favorite beers that we have here at Lost Grove is called Teeny Tiny Cowboy. Um, it's a cream ale. And for a while, we were calling it a lager style ale because we felt like that was kind of more palatable to people that they were like a lager. I know what that word is. And, you know, Derek had told me that it seems like there's kind of a push. And I'd be interested to know what y'all think about cream ales being a little bit more popular East coast wise. And that it's like taking off and people understand that a cream ale is not a cream sickle ale. It's a crispy boy. It's a light beer that is delicious. And we like that. And so we have a beer that we released last year. We didn't do it this year called um, Lieutenant Dan cream sickle ale. And it is a cream sickle. It like has the whole like profile being much more creamy. And so I was like, are we going to start actually calling teeny tiny cowboy a cream ale or will that confuse people? And it has, I think, confused some people, but we thought it'd be good to start with the educational piece of like cream ale does not mean creamsicle ale and that this is going to be a light, delicious kind of lager style ale that you will like. So, you know, I think it's an interesting balance of using some of the tactics of marketing that are ubiquitous and then also relying on the beer experts to be like, what should I be doing here? What are we calling this? How are we kind of marrying these two ideals and making something that makes sense to folks and, and is exciting to people who are in the beer community? I love that your, your struggle from a marketing perspective on this particular timeline mm-hmm. is I have to explain to people that cream ale is actually not an ice cream beer because yeah. <laughs> that actually is a thing that exists. And we have to explain to people that there's a difference. And you're like, from a marketing perspective, this is really hard. People are thinking they're getting ice cream beer. Yeah, people are like, there's no lactose in this or yeah. like right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. flavors. It's like, no, it's actually pretty basic. It's just, it's just fermented with alias. Right. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I, I guess you're right. We do have the Genesee over here on the, the East Coast. which Yeah, kind of- Genesee, which released the first cream ale, I think, in like 1960. Yeah. We just got a sticker of that the other day because I was like, oh, my God, I'm learning. I love cream ales now. And Derek's like, here's a six pack of Genesee. Let's try this. And I was like, this is great. I love it. I Let's continue go. to grow yeah. my education. Let's Beers go. are going down easy, boys. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what it is. Speaking speaking of which, you know, we, we've talked a lot about uh, different styles of beers and learning about different styles of beers tonight. Uh, actually, I think this is the second time I've talked about a grisette today, which is wild. Uh, but Darren, what's your what's your favorite style to brew? And also, what's your favorite style to drink? Well, so uh, now that you bring up grisette, uh, <laughs> it kind of falls in a lot of that. I think that was actually my first like beer that I did for Lost Grove when I first got hired was the the little nutlet, which we talked about. Um, not like a super traditional one, but you know, some lime had lime and peppercorn in it. But it was uh, so good. Yeah. Right? I, I, I tend to lean towards farmhouse beers, saisons. I also like really funky stuff. Like I'm a big Phantom fan. But they're just fun to brew. I mean, you kind of just let them do their thing. You let them rip. They like to get hot. You want them to get nice and dry, you know. Um, You can use all kinds of different grains in them. I mean, it's kind of like a open-ended, you know, whatever you want with making those kinds of beers. But I mean, it's all yeast derived, which is the fun part. So those are the, those are our workhorses. Those are the boys that do everything we want, you know? Yeah. I, I, I like traditional saisons. I mean, I would say, you know, one of my all time favorites would be Saison DuPont, which is a, an awesome beer. 
So to brew and drink. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, brew and drink, I would say. Yeah. In, in, in that area of beers for sure. Like, you know, Belgian table beer too, you know, something just nice and light and easy. Yeah. Sorry, I'm at a loss for words. I, I don't know if I should just go on to my next question or if I should nerd out about farmhouse sale and saisons because yeah, it's it it's it's such a wide the, the it's such a wide brush to paint with. There's so much you can do to it. It can be so yeast forward. It can be fruited. It can be you could dry hop it. You could do so much with farmhouse ale. It it needs its crispy boy. It needs its hazy boy renaissance i'm i'm hoping that that farmhouse ale and saison is like the next thing but it's yeah probably not. i totally agree i mean i've made some interesting things at other breweries that i was at like uh i made a beer to guard that was a little funky mm-hmm. and weird nice. with using a traditional yeast from france to make it like uh like the northeastern region of france and uh, we actually went and picked elderberries up in the mountains here and made a weird beer to guard uh, elderberry beer that we canned and used modern hops that actually worked really well with the fruit. Uh, so it's just kind That's of awesome. like a weird, different beer. But I, I just love, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that it can be so, so broad with what you can do with it. And it kind of falls in that category. And in Cezanne land, here at Lost Grove, Derek recently made and we recently released our first barrel age series. Um, so we did a you know bourbon barrel age beer, and then we did a, a double teddy bear, so double golden ale aged in tequila barrels called Exit to Daydreams. Um, and then the most recent one is called Found in Space, and it is a big saison aged in gin barrels. And so um, kind of bringing in some of what we were talking about, we've been experimental with the barrel aged beers and saisons definitely um something that derek has liked to play around with and made some great creations recently that are both yeah. super delicious super fun beer yeah the barrels are sourced from a distillery out of jackson hole um so they're like ex-bourbon barrels that then aged gin and then we aged the saison in those barrels oh my god so much character in one barrel <laughs> yeah, i love when places start messing around with with gin barrels it's like hey you want to try something that sounds absolutely disgusting but is probably delicious i take it you're not a gin fan isaac i think gin is wonderful isaac i love (laughs) i absolutely love it but the concept of you're like hey this was this was was like aged with bourbon and then we did gin in it i'm like now we did a a saison and you think wow that sounds really gross but then you try it and you're like no this is really not i love gin don't don't take this the wrong way i love gin yeah. yeah, that sounds terrible. I hope it, it just, tastes good. We're just we're just gonna have to see <laughs> yeah. both of them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Don't make me prove how much I love gin. <laughs> oh my god, Isaac! I think you do need to go get a bottle of gin and prove us how much. No, no, please don't do that. So I think a lot of people, I think a lot of home brewers, a lot of people romanticize brewing as a profession because there's this talk about it being so artful, and and there definitely is that aspect to it. And I've definitely been a person that has romanticized brewing, but the more and more I've become closer to the industry, I realized it is a, uh, a laborious, tedious practice at times. So, uh, Derek, what is something that just just flat out sucks about brewing beer? I mean, it's 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 here in here in Boise in the summer, super hot. And so, I mean, we have a swamp cooler that kind of helps 
keep the whole facility cold but it like moves the hot air onto you so it's not like stagnant hot air and then it's just like pressing against you a little more in a cooling way just get a little toasty you know and then uh also you're just working you know under like the pressure of like things that are in a tank literally under pressure and so i mean sometimes you get things blasted all over you where you're like and by things he means beer and hops yes yeah yeah. beer (laughs) hops yeast you know all of those things but uh it makes for sometimes a pretty messy day you know you uh you smell you're a little sticky a little a little crusty when you're done (laughs) yeah but I mean, other other than that, I mean, it, it is a lot of hard work. It's 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 worth it though when you when you get to like enjoy the fruits of your labor and uh, you know share it with people. It makes it worth it. It is a lot of hard work, but I mean, and the artistic aspect is is I would say my favorite part of it for sure. There's been there was a day I can't remember. We had to go somewhere after work. We're like, oh, I got to get somewhere. And Derek walks into the office and he's like soaked head to toe. And he's like, I need your car. I got to go back to the house and change. And I was like, what has happened to you, sir? And he had thrown some hops. In a- I got the green dragon. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard of the green dragon. I know. I think you should explain. I don't we, we haven't talked about it very much, but you should explain what happens. Yeah. So sometimes a beer can be kind of volatile. And uh, you you go to do a big hefty dose of a dry hop into the tank, and you can have a little bit of a release of gases and all kinds of liquid and hops sprayed back at you before you actually even know what's happening. And so, yeah, one day I was just dumping. Uh, I mean, it was probably like sixty pounds worth of hops into the tank, and before I knew it, I could actually see the leafy matter flying out of the funnel at my face. And I was like, Oh shit, I've seen this before. (laughs) And before I could even stop to put the cap back on, it was blowing in my face and all over the ceiling. She's like, well, and then my poor assistant who's, he's kind of new to it was like, what do you need me to do? What can I do to help you? And I was like, you just got to stand there and watch this geyser. We got to ride this one out. It's flying everywhere. He's like, wow, this is a mess. <laughs> kind of how it goes sometimes. Do as I say, not as I do, kid. <laughs> Better me than you right now. Do you have an appointment <laughs> in the middle of the day? Like I could be like, oh no, I have to like run my dog to their vet checkup. And I can be like, I'll be back in half an hour. And Derek's like, I cannot leave the back brewery space for this amount of time because there's a timer going off telling me I have to go do another thing. I have 20 minutes for lunch. Like after those 20 minutes, if my lunch is not done, I simply don't eat the rest of my lunch. So I think some of like time constraints and rigidity of like brewing has been something I've observed. I'm like, oh, that seems like a cool job. And then I'm like, well, kind of like being able to be like, oh yeah, totally grab coffee in the afternoon. Yeah, it's, it's nice. You know, when, you hit, nice. when you hit oil, <laughs> well, I got some hop additions that are going to come here in about 15 minutes. And then I got five more after that. It's not like you can be back there working in your birthday suit either, right? You've got to. Nah, you definitely want to be wearing some clothing. And yeah, he tried it. Yourself. It was frowned upon. No, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Derek wore like... sandals for a whole week and they kept sending them home. <laughs> Thought he would get it one of the times on the seventh day. We're like, bro, we bought you some rubber boots. Just put that's these right. on. Put your stinky feet in those boots. Put, put the Birkenstocks back in the closet, bro. <laughs> All right. 
if someone's going to Boise and they want to go to somewhere other than a brewery, where are you sending them? First, I would be like, why don't you want to go to a brewery? There are so many fun options. Right. But if they were not movable on that point, I would say, I was thinking about this. We went to the, oh, Morley Nelson, I think is what it's called. The World Center for Birds of Prey recently. And it's just outside of town. It's a little bit of a drive, but not too much. It's so cool. They basically saved the peregrine falcon. I'm a super dork for animals. So I was Whoa. totally hyped about this. But peregrine falcons on the brink of extinction in the seven, 70s, the 1970s, yeah. 70s. And they were like, we better help these guys. And they now peregrine falcons are like off the endangered species list because they did all of this breeding and re-releasing. And now they're working on California condors and they're like the main breeder of California condors to help re-release them. And you can see the condors, you can see all these dope gigantic birds and they do these little presentations. We've got to see this giant owl named Oliver that's flying all around the room. Anyway, highly recommend that because it was extremely cool experience. Um, Boise in general has amazing like foothills and green belt and all the outdoor recreation that everybody is talking about all the time. We also have like the second biggest Basque community here in Boise. And so we have what we, what you would, some people may have heard of as Hialdi, which happens every five years. So it's just this huge festival that only happens in the Basque country over near Spain and here. And so the next one is 2025 and it's, I mean, the streets shut down. It's craziness, tons of fun. And so um, we plug actually, your favorite bar, plug your favorite bar. My favorite bar is Barganica, which is in the Basque district here in Boise. Uh, the owner, he, he's highly selective, picks great beer, food's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, I probably go there too much. <laughs> I love both of those answers. I swear, if one of you told me to go mountain biking or kayaking, I was just going to leave. <laughs> like that's enough. We get it, Boise. Yeah. We yeah. get it. <laughs> we know what you guys are about. Well, what's funny is is before this, we featured uh, Bend, Oregon, which has wonderful mountain biking and kayaking, and before that, we featured Missoula, which has mm-hmm. wonderful mountain biking and kayaking, and it's like those things are awesome. But I love hearing about, hey, we have this amazing bird place that maybe maybe saved the fastest. I believe the peregrine falcon is the fastest. Yeah, dude, it is the fastest. We learned that too. Yeah. When they're in their dive, yep. they're going like the record was 245 miles an hour was the last they measured it. And also, by the way, that was like no casual drop either. You were like the world center. The world center for birds of prey. That's a pretty big deal. And really, we actually coordinated this ahead of time. We're like, Brian loves alliteration. So we have big birds bask. So those are some Boise things that there you can do is. around here. Yes. There it is. Yep. So if you had to sum it all up, what is one thing that you wish Boise was more well known for? I don't know. Friendliness. Maybe that's like an everywhere thing. Have people said that already? Nope. Yeah. I think that. Every time that I hear feedback about what is cool about Idaho, because there are a lot of things like that we get in the news for that aren't so cool. And so like, what are the things that I wish that it could be like, what is, what is Idaho? What are, what is Boise notable for? We have like the best community. We just have extremely nice, helpful people. And, you know, I feel like this is one of the places where it's like, if you are new to town and you're coming by a brewery or the world center for birds of prey or wherever maybe you are. And you said, 
I need help with something or where should I go next or what's the deal? People would go out of their way to be helpful and friendly. And that's something that I thought has been wonderful about living here and something that I really covet about our community in general is I think be Boise kind is like something that I've seen on signs and stickers and stuff that I'm sure somebody invented that is not me, but I don't know who to credit right now. <laughs> what about you? I think for me, it, I, I, I do strive and want for Boise to be more well-known for the beer, uh, craft beer. I, I don't think we've actually had our explosion of what we can offer yet. We're still kind of like a big bustling new epicenter of people wanting to like come into the area and contribute to you know everything but i'm hoping that we 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 get an explosion of like more people aspiring to like start their own breweries i mean we've only i don't even think we've hit 30 in the valley here and so like when you think like bend or portland or like seattle area like san diego it's like we're nowhere near that I would love to see more variety and for us to be a vacation destination for the craft beer lovers. So people are like, wow, we should go check out Boise. Boise here's, you know, a a rad place for good craft beer, but you know, and then hopefully they learn that there's a lot of other fun things that Boise has to offer too. Yeah. I, uh, I could not agree more. Boise needs to be known for its beer. I believe I read Idaho has the 12th most breweries per capita out of any state. So I feel like it's it's right on the cusp of having that big boom. And with the hot production coming out of the state the way it is, and, and that's starting to be more well-known to just like general beer drinkers, I think it's bound to happen. And also Boise's cool as hell. It, we're, yeah. we've, we're, we're shitting on mountain biking and kayaking here. <laughs> but there's really good mountain no, biking and not, kayaking in Boise. <laughs> We're so tired of hearing about how rad these places yeah. are. <laughs> we get it, bro. Oh, I don't like care about your cool specialized full <laughs> suspension bike. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, talk yeah. to me about the about, Pedigree yeah. Falcon. Like, that, that's what I'm here for now. Did you, Pedigree Falcon, Pedigree Falcon? Pedigree did you say Pedigree Falcon? Did you say Pedigree Falcon? I did. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's 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 ironically the slowest falcon in the world the pedigree falcon sucks it's, but the yeah. peregrine falcon rules yeah they're they're bizarro it's a bizarro falcon of... yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it has a birth certificate to show it came from a nice lineage that's why it's the pedigree falcon <laughs> that's that's right it's all about documentation with that birth yes <laughs> yep also what you learned at the world center that's right i went to the world center i learned so many things i can't say thanks enough for joining us Haley and derek this has been an awesome awesome discussion where can people find lost grove beer uh, people can find lost grove beer at lost grove brewing in boise <laughs> uh, we're in the albertsons and winco's around the treasure valley um, and if you'd like to learn more about us you can visit lostgrovebrewing.com um, or find us on instagram um, and also, I see there are a couple of questions in the chat, and I would be remiss to not answer those. The first question is from RJ, who says, can you tell us the artwork for the lo- where the artwork for the logo originated? So um, if you're asking about Teddy Bear Picnic and Ghost Town, it's not an extremely sexy story. Uh, when the pandemic hit, um, Lost Grove didn't have a ton of aspirations for actually doing packaging products originally. Uh, we're going to kind of hang out as a draft brewery and really work on building that element. And then when the pandemic hit, we're like, 
shit, we have a ton of beer and tanks and we got to get into this. So I think it was within our general managers told me this today. I think it was within 10 days. It was like, we must get this beer out and to the people and get it in stores and get it ready to go. So it was like design a label that has our logo and the name and all the necessary information, print it, get it in cans, let's go. So that's the origin of that artwork. But if you are talking about, um, if perhaps you saw that this is also a Lost Road beer, I know that we're not specifically talking about this beer on this podcast episode, but in one of the subscription boxes uh, was Robot Grizzly, which is a Lost Road beer as well. Um, this is part of our artist in residence program. So we this year started with our barrel aged beers doing an artist in residence program. So we feature a different local artist each year is the plan. So this is Miguel. He's awesome. Um, and he is doing all the artwork for the five barrel age releases and the four hazy IPA releases that we're doing this year. And then starting in 2023, we'll have a different artist doing um, the artwork for the barrel age beers. So really the focus of that is to be um, a platform for burgeoning artists in the Treasure Valley. How can we connect people and give their artwork a bigger scene? So that's an exciting program. We're going to open applications for that hopefully in October to find the 2023 artists in residence. But Miguel has completely knocked it out of the park for those barrel aged beers we were mentioning earlier. Um, the double golden and tequila barrels, the Russian Imperial bourbon age stout and the, um, oh, Isaac, sorry to mention gin again, the disgusting sounding Saison aged in gin barrels. That one's called Found in Space. All of those have artwork from Mikkel. I'm going to come to Boise and I'm going to grab a bottle of that. I'm going to buy <laughs> you out. Try the bottle of gin when you get into yeah. That's right. I was going to be like, no, no, let him go. Well, he promised. No, he has he took a to knee. <laughs> yeah, those those uh, those cans were awesome. We drank that as our first uh, episode uh, featuring Boise, and uh, I am very sad that I don't have any more of that. Thanks again, Haley and Derek, for joining us. Absolutely, thank you for having us. Thank you, guys. Isaac, thanks for co-hosting this month. It's 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 been fun. It's been great. I don't know what I'm going to do with my Wednesday nights now, other than tune in. Just do what what you did in July and June. That's right. And yeah, and you it, what you did in July and June was tune in to Bruce Less Traveled every Wednesday at eight thirty p.m. That's right. Eastern. Thank you for that setup. Boise rules, and more people need to know about it. They need to know about the beer scene. They need to know about the awesome outdoors activities. They need to know about the amazing community there, the the Basque population that's there, and. Uh, I hope we did some little part this month to uh, spread that word. Again, thanks to Lost Grove for the Grace Beers. Uh, you can find more from them, like Haley mentioned, at lostgrovebrewing.com. Also, thanks to all of our featured Boise breweries this month uh, for making it such a great month. Shout out to Lost Grove, Payette, Sockeye, and Mad Swede. You can find more from us, as always, at brewvana.com. Check out the beer club there and consider joining if you'd like to support this show and get great local beers shipped to you every month. We'll be back next week with a new episode featuring our next Brews Less Traveled City. Some of you may be salty about it. I hope that's enough of a hint. Until then, uh, stay safe, be kind, and support local breweries. Cheers, everyone. Thank you all. Thank you all.